Hey everyone, welcome back to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And we are here with another episode. Uh, we finished up a two story arc, sort of, last time. Yeah, we got the explanation of Jamie doing the whole Hail Hydra thing. Yeah. Under the Hydra logo. And it was because he was almost brainwashed. Almost, but he avoided it. Because his duplicates helped dilute. The, the mind control. Yes. It was a complicated but really fun explanation. Yeah. And he figured it out. Which you wouldn't think self-flagellation would be fun, but there you go. Yeah. He's very into it. Yeah. And it was a transition uh, issue because it went from all characters getting something to do to only Madrox and then Monet and Siren having a plot line. Yeah. And... We continue that now with... Um, We're in issue 16. Yeah. Where it's only Madrox, Monet, and Siren. Yeah. Again. Again. Um, are you missing the other characters yet? Kind of. I like Layla Miller. Yeah. And her angsty self. Yeah. And the eternal question of when will Richter get his powers back? Yeah. And... Guido, I mean, we sort of resolved him being brainwashed and murdering and all that, but maybe this is giving that character a rest before doing something else with him, moving on. He needs some time, which yes. is fine and healthy. Yes. Sort of like what Asta the Rescue Bun is getting right now. She, uh, she, she, got, was... she got a little freaked out by you walking into the room. How, you... how dare I? Yeah. She was, she woke up from a nap, and all of a sudden you were there walking, and she and got very upset. She ran up to me and was like, I don't know if she was just like, you are not the dad I was expecting, but she has retreated to her cottage and made some, her feelings known. She yes. had some very big feelings. So, we probably won't be hearing from her this episode. No. Oh, Esta. But, something we will be hearing about is the pop culture pop-up. Oh, yeah, and it is April 2007, Oh, so this may have been when you were laying in some starry field, real drunk off a of blue moon, which is not a good beer to get drunk off of. I mean, it was still a decent experience. It was a rough month in other life events, though. Oh. My condolences mm. for you drinking so much blue moon. <laughs> That's a very specific beer. To be drunk on. Like, it, it's not... It was a good introductory beer, though. Yeah, it's not crushable. Like, I would not have more than a couple. But it was tasty. In this day and age. Like, because then you're getting, like, the orange slice and everything. Like the sad the orange little, slice. The sad little orange slice from the bar. Oh. So, first of all, John and Kate plus eight premieres this oh. month. Oh, this is that that era yeah. of reality shows. Yeah, and it ran for 174 episodes. Ew. That's disgusting. That's more than Star Trek Enterprise, well, I feel. Which is better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Um, because that show became a mess once he, after a few years of this, like cheated on Kate and started wearing Ed Hardy and like was clubbing and stuff like he became such a scuzz bucket oh yeah 
And she just kept her, like, Karen hair. Doesn't she have her own magazine now? Probably. Like, it... She had to, like, pull it together. It morphed into Kate plus eight. Like, they dropped John. Okay. The song Climbing the Charts is Glamorous by Fergie, your birthday twin. Yes, apparently. (laughs) Featuring Ludacris, which Ludacris really makes any song better. You add in featuring Ludacris, I'll listen to it. Whitney and Bobby Brown finalize their divorce. Oh. Yeah, very toxic relationship, I feel. Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown. I remember hearing about it. I don't know much detail. They did a lot of crack, allegedly, together. Oh, no. Yeah, like, they both fed each other's addictions, I feel. Ooh, so, yeah, super toxic then. Super toxic, and I remember, like, watching Oprah interviews with her and everything, and she was a mess. Oh. Perhaps because of drugs. Again, allegedly. Allegedly. R.I.P. R.I.P. Why'd you drown in that bath with that little thingy olive oil next to you? Oh. I know. Mel B. of the Spice Girls. Oh. You Ginger remember? Spice? Is Mel Sc- B. Scary Spice. Oh. She had a baby by Eddie Murphy. What? He didn't believe her, so he uh, asked for paternity tests. What? Yeah, you didn't know this? No. Oh, Eddie Murphy has, like, tons of kids, and one of them is with Scary Spice. Oh. Yeah. When you said Mel V of the Spice Girls, I thought, oh, it must be Ginger doing her solo career. No. Oh. No, she broke off and did her solo career in, like, 99. I don't know these things. (laughs) That's why Pop culture pop-ups are such an education for me i guess they are like do we need to have a special spice girls <laughs> edition i only know i in sixth grade found my sister's you spice know that, cd and played it on repeat a few times you know that ginger's name is jerry right well i do now <laughs> okay and alec baldwin left a voicemail for his 11 year old daughter ireland this is his infamous voicemail where he calls her a pig what? Yeah. Alec Baldwin is not a nice person. Oh, Like, no. I love 30 Rock. 30 Rock is, like, the show I fall asleep to most nights. Yes. But Alec Baldwin is such a piece of human garbage. Oh, no. Yeah. And, I mean, they've made up since then and everything, but you... Don't say that to an 11-year-old. Yeah. Like, he... And I think it's because she wasn't calling him back... Because at this time, he had divorced Kim Basinger, and they had, like, shared custody. And he's like, you're such a disgusting pig. It is bad. Oh, no. Yeah. So we have some trashy dads. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Like, Eddie Murphy not believing a woman when she's like, I had your baby, and then Alec Baldwin. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Murphy is problematic and several ways his stand-up specials oh no in the 80s yeah like i what is, is that the, one of the super under the file of super homophobic yes absolutely we don't need that in our lives is there anything positive in the pop culture pop up i mean fergie song that was positive <laughs> it's glamorous it taught us how to spell glamorous 
G-L-A-M-O-R-O-U-S. Oh. Glamorous. Glamorous. <laughs> All right, this issue. This issue. We are opening up on a church. We're taking you to church, listeners. It's the Episcopalians, also known as Catholic Light. Oh. According to some. So I think they maintain some of the traditions, but are more progressive than Catholics. This church looks like it might be a barn. It has a woodsy feel to it, and yeah. then you find out that it's in Vermont. And oh. Like, oh, that makes sense. That, that fits. But yeah, the Episcopalians are okay with the gay. So, which is not a thing many religions can say. No. Well, Christian religions. Christian, yes. So, um... Here we are. There's a sermon. There is a kid picking his nose. Yeah. As one does during a sermon. I guess. I mean... I would never. I was usually sitting either next to an aunt, a grandparent or other grandparent generation person. No. That I, would not fly. I never did church, so... But on Helen, we used to play that game where you have all the dots and each person makes a line. And when you make a square, you put your initial in it and you get another turn. That was fun. Wow. Church sounds like a trip. Oh, that was before the service started. To help occupy us young youngins. That sounds real boring. But it was special because it was on Helen. Oh, I I mean just church in general. Oh. Sounds real boring. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yes. Anyway, there's a, a... sermon happening and we don't really see a clear picture of who it is right but there's some is there any meaning to what he's talking about there is it's going to tie in into this whole episode this is a good piece of writing that they did um because it starts with the whole like go forth be fruitful and multiply um and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth which seems to seem like an older text if it says moveth. No. And then we get the kid moving, moveth his finger up his nose. Mm. And then the mom being like, don't do that. And so the sermony bubbles are all about the meaning of dominion. What does it mean? Are we absolute kings, rule, absolute rulers of all that we see? And how presumptuous would that be for us to consider ourselves in that way? There's only one absolute ruler, a.k.a. God. Oh, that's it's a thing. That is a thing. Dear listener, Asta the Rescue Rabbit has almost tipped over her cottage. If there's a thud, you it's know why. It's because she's upset. <laughs> she's, she's taking out her feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get comfortable again. And, and then, this, who should appear at the door entering the service? It's Jamie Madrox. Very dramatically. Like, there is a wind gust... There are leaves flying behind him, and this very eloquent, very impassioned sermon about, like, how we are caretakers, like, it's like a good message for a congregation, like, domination does not mean it's there to use as you will. We're caretakers, we live in the world of the Lord's sufferance, and while we're busy multiplying in bold... Uh, having dominion does not come without its responsibilities. Hence, Madrox's dramatic entrance. And then we see the hands on the sermon sort of freak out a little, and the words stutter, and we get this image of a dupe. It's a dupe giving the sermon. 
with a very, I don't know, it's not serene, slightly concerned because he just saw Madrox walk through the door. But previously you get the impression that it was like a very self-assured mm. persona within this dupe. The title of this issue is No Dominion. Yeah. Tying into the sermon. Yeah. The idea that Madrox is the ultimate authority over his dupes. And the art is a big piece of this issue. Pablo Ramondi does a fantastic job. I think he might be my favorite. Oh, of the well, arts, artists who we've seen so far. Yeah, in an episode coming out right around the time of this episode is when I guested on Grey Malkin Lane with Dennis Calero, who was the first regular artist oh. on this. Oh, he was also title. quite good. Yeah. Like, there, just, there has not been bad art. We'll get there. Oh, no. <laughs> you strap in for, like, 15 issues from now. Oh, no. The art is... Gonna take a turn for a couple issues. Not forever, but... Oh, good. The, it, it's a bit of a rough patch. I'm curious if I'll notice and, like, oh, you... compare it to this and then go to that. Yeah. But also, speaking of taking a turn, the pastor's stomach has turned. He's not feeling well. His tum-tum. His tum-tum is dictating that he make a hasty escape. Oh, no. Dear listener, the ass of the rescue bun has fully tipped over her house. And is seemingly probably just laying inside of it. As it's like partially folded itself back up again? Yeah, well. Oh. She's resourceful. She's having a moment. Also resourceful, Madrox, who's chasing after his dupe as, his tum- as the pastor's tum-tum problems lead him to bolt in the middle of his sermon. Yeah, and Maddox chases after him. Yeah. He's like, get back here. Get back here. <laughs> this issue to us as we're distracted by Ask the Rabbit. Get back here. Focus <laughs> on me again. So Maddox runs around the church. Does not find him. But he is reflecting on this dupe. And that he, the dupe had looked calm, confident, serene in his convictions. Everything, in short, I'm not. And... When he saw the expression change on the pastor when Madrox Prime walked in, and he looked confused, uncertain, everything, in short, that I am. And pity, like this nice, quiet church up in Vermont isn't a bad place to live out your life, but I'm the one who gave him that life, so it was on loan. So, this shouldn't be too... You think he's about to say this shouldn't be too hard, but then the complications always arise. Yeah, they do. It's the wife. Yeah, this pastor is married and has a child. Yeah. Not a dupe, a child. And she's like, how did you change out of those clothes? Are you feeling feverish? And he, like, was visibly recoiling a little bit. Also, why wasn't his wife in his sermon? Or did she just find him after that? Did she leave right after... After think, Madrox ran. I think after Pastor Madrox ran. Oh. And she went out after him. And then she's like, how did you change so quickly? And we know why. Because if I didn't take care of you, everyone will be saying, what kind of wife is she? Oh, there we go. So, yeah, she is providing the exposition for why she was able to make an escape yep. out of the church. And the kid is like, I pick nose and mommy mad. You mad, daddy? 
And there's just this expression on Madbox's face of like, who? <laughs> oh, I didn't anticipate this. Meanwhile, in Paris, we are picking back up from when Monet had expressionlessly ripped a bar off of her cell and whipped it at some dude who had burned the Paris version of Mutant Town. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Monet is the dialogue from outside the building. That's just horrific, not to mention sacrilegious. And Monet is like, nonsense. It was a penalty way back when, before the church co-opted it. <laughs> he killed people, Teresa. Helpless ex-mutants. And they're like, are we done here? <laughs> As she smashes through a wall. <laughs> Monet is she's so over good. She, she's incredibly over the experience of being in that cell. Yes. So, there's a odd red balloon that's passing. I don't. I didn't. I think I missed the reference. So, dear listener, if you know the reference to this red balloon that's floating past after mm. they escape jail, she because when I says, "Huh," Terry doesn't see it and says, "What?" And then as the balloon bursts, Monet says, "Never mind. It's moot now." Hmm. So we get. Wasn't there, like, a French movie where it was, like, the Red Balloon in the 60s? One of those existential... I think so. Possibly. Maybe. It probably connects to that. Because the only other Red Balloon reference I know is from It, and that doesn't mean anything. Or 99 Red Balloons. What a a bop. Oh. And... And there was... But there weren't 99 Red Balloons... No, just Blimey. one. Yeah. So they're going back to the site of the fire, right? Or, yes. Or the Paris mutant town, which I don't know what that would be in French. We got the sad mutant, moment though. Mutantville, mutant chateau. Um, Terry does her mm-hmm. at them, and you get this wistful close-up of Monet saying, I really used to love Paris. Mm. So, she and Terry fly off. They check, the police go inside and check it out and say, Mon Dieu. They're checking out the cell. Yes. And Monet had taken bars from the cell and basically did the stigmata to this guy. Mm. Like, punctured his hands through and... Up against the wall. Yeah. Holding him up like that. Hence the sacrilege. There's just a lot of ads in here. Like... Yeah. There's a 300 one. There's a Ghost Rider one with Nicolas Cage. Oh. Did you even see that movie? Yeah, it's not bad. Oh. Like, it's not great. It's standard action fare in terms of, like, if you need to kill an hour and a half or so. Oh. Back in Vermont, and the Jamie Prime has been sort of taken in, and everyone thinks that he's Pastor Madrox. He feels like he's losing his mind in his little voiceover, because he's being dropped in on this dude's life. Like, it's very... not Stepford, it's the other one. The paintings. Rock... it's not Rockford. What? The Saturday Evening Post paintings. Norman Rockwell's. Norman Rockwell. 
that's the vibe that he's getting, and it's very, very different from Madbox Prime's life. Mm-hmm. So to be dropped in, and I, that's why I think he's sort of losing it a little. And he finds out that this little nose-picking kid is named after his dad, and that's really nice. So the mom comes in and is like, oh, it's bath time, and he's like, oh, do I smell? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly not up and on the reference that she's talking about the little kid. Yeah, not your bath, Jamie. And but she's like, oh, but maybe later we can get you clean. And he kisses her, and as she's walking away, like <laughs> he is again having a moment. Like there's a lot of emotions that he's dealing with, yeah. and the art is really good at conveying that. Yeah, the facial expressions. They're like, ooh, what did I just do? And I think it was here. He's trying to justify it. Like, like, oh, I'm going to hell for this one. Although, actually, it, would that be adultery, technically, since she's my wife? But it's not really my life. What am I going to do? He's having a... I, it's classic Jamie. Yeah. He sent this dupe out to learn about world religions and <laughs> has walked straight into a moral conundrum. Yep. He goes into the office, he finds a picture of the wife and a young baby with one of those big dumpy bucket hats. Uh-huh. And is still continuing to have inner turmoil. This woman, Susan, thinks she married a nice normal man. She's living a lie. He's a duplicate of me. And whatever this dupe told her can't possibly include the truth or all of the truth. And the dupe confronts him in the darkened study. Yeah. So the, the actual pastor is back. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, it looks like we have a bit of a dilemma here. And the pastor is like, oh, a good word choice, meaning two assumptions, two of us, one wishing to assume the other. That is what you're here for, right? It's like he, James getting called out. Yeah. He, like, the dupe knows what's going to happen. And this dupe is like, I'm going to fight to keep my life here. And Madrox Prime says, just how do you propose to do... And as the dupe pulls out a gun. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Yep. That's what's happening here. So. So even more so than the shield dupe, this dupe is willing to fight for his life. Right. It's he's built more probably than the shield agent one had, yeah. more than Jamie sort of has. So, yeah. Terry and Monet have returned to the French mutant town, and yeah, that dude wasn't boasting; he really did it. And there is a survivor. There's a young girl who speaks both French and English. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, for our purposes. And again, like, the art is so good. Like, this girl has the that thing where the tears wash away the ash on your face. And mm-hmm. there's, like, trails of it. Yeah. And you can see that that's what happened. And, yeah. She had her parents burned in the fire. So we have an orphan on our hands. Yes. The little orphan says, I have no one in this world. And Monet is like, screw that, you're coming with us. Yeah. <laughs> you have us. <laughs> and Siren's like, Monet, this is kidnapping. 
and it's a f- French citizen. Emily's like, no, it's not. She's coming willingly. And there's some shadowy figure with red glowy eyes watching this whole thing. Ooh. Red glowy eyes typically indicate evil. Right? It's nothing good. We will have to find out. Yeah. We're back in Vermont, which is usually peaceful, but it's not peaceful in this confrontation. Right. This idyllic outdoor scene of the house with the thought bubbles coming out and the moon up above is juxtaposed against the imminent threat inside. Yes. So I've lived in terror of this day. I've been fighting for my life. It's my family. And James Prime was like, oh, please, when I absorb you, like, they will still be here. They will survive. And the dupe is not having it. Um, that his family will fall apart because they don't wouldn't understand or know why Pastor Madrox has disappeared. Who is going by the name John. Yes, so we have John and Jamie. So... John calls out Jamie's plan of just reabsorbing and running. Yeah. Like, that's not sufficient. Like, you're going to ruin lives by doing this. Like, you can't just up and go. Yep. So. The dupe sort of yells the big question, why are you doing this? And we get a really, like, surprisingly eloquent explanation. Because I'm not whole. Because you're a piece of my soul, and if a man doesn't have his soul intact, he's got nothing. And if you of all people can't understand that, then... You know what? Then you should do it. Just shoot. It would be a relief. And, like, there's a whole moment. Mm. He yells, come on, do it. Like, in bold. The text bubble is surrounded in red. He walks up to the gun. And Pastor Duke breaks down like I don't think he was ever going to do it no I don't think he would but unless he was eminently threatened yes well even then I mean Jamie was sort of eminently threatening him no but we just see him slumped crying on the floor saying you have dominion over me make it quick no like going back to that theme for the sermon of the one absolute ruler yeah so then we're on a plane back in Paris and Money is like, make it quick. We're about to get company. And they look out the plane windows to see there's lots of police cars coming. With probably like those European sirens. Yes, because they're only blue. They're not blue and red. Oh. And there's a blinding light and all the police cars disappear. We see the plane getting ready to take off, and the shadowy figure with the red glowy eyes has these sort of like purple flame things coming out of his hands. So, and poof, just like that, the cops are gone. And they're like, maybe we should go back to figure out what happened. And the answer comes back, no. (laughs) I say we get the hell out of here while we can and figure out later. And if that sounds cold, Terry, then excuse the hell out of me, but I'm not feeling especially generous right now. And the shadowy figure is doing something with his gloves. Putting the gloves back on, the flames are being extinguished. Mm. And there's a little, like, blue and beige confetti ash. That's fun. Something coming out. So, we get the text bubble 
it's... more Vermont on the left image of the Paris. And it's the wife walking back in that Daniel has been scrubbed clean. Mm. Hopefully all the burgers have been washed away. Hopefully. One can, one can only hope. Yeah. And we get Pastor John there, and she's saying, you look different. And he says, I feel different. For the first time in my life, I feel free. And you get Jamie walking away with a picture from the office. And his voiceover as he walks into the distance. Day after day, I'm always second-guessing myself and always seeing all sides of a question and never sure if I'm doing or have done the right thing. Today, for the first time in ages, I don't feel that way. I made a decision, and instead of being strangled by its implications, I feel free. That's worth a small piece of my soul any day. And that's the issue. Such a good issue. I mean, he's... weavings in of everything in there yeah those were so well done yeah and he's chosen to let a dupe exist out there so that's really going against what we thought this arc would be when it originally started like he's going on this grand quest to reabsorb every dupe but this shows us that the dupes have built lives for themselves they've been out there for years yeah and what are you doing by disrupting that exactly it's not what he intended. He he wanted to seek knowledge. That's why he sent them out. He wanted to be able to pick up a ton of skills, and like the like the trill from Star Trek. Yes, the hosts take on different bodies. They join to have a different experience from anything that they've had before. But this is really showing him. You're really ending lives by doing that, and not. And not just his own dupe's life, like... There's other people involved. Yes. They have built relationships out there. So, it... Where does he go from here? Does he continue on this quest? It might just be a decision that he makes in the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't think he would go find other dupes and then just let them be. But in this... I think this is more an exception than the rule. Okay. Because he feels so good about this decision, which is so novel for him. Yeah. He's not used to caring. Resolution. He's He doesn't really care about the dupes. And we saw that in the last episode where he's like, oh, I can hear the agent screaming, but that stops pretty soon afterwards. Right. The, yeah, how he creates them willy-nilly when convenient and then yeah. picks them all back up again. Yeah. So yeah, this, I feel like, is an exception. I think he's still resolved in his main quest. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we'll have to see where what sort of dupe he finds next. Yeah. And what happens with this girl that Terry and Monet have adopted? Yeah, a, a French depowered mutant. The French version of Layla Miller. Maybe, and then um, we have that shadowy figure. Who is? Who are they? Yeah. Who is it? So what? Uh, about to say who is they? And they. Oh, who is they? <laughs> um, which is a good question about dupes. Who is they? Oh, that's speaking of big existential questions. Yeah. Um, maybe next issue we'll see. Uh, 
some of our other characters and get updates. Yeah, I'm I'm still invested in the series. This issue, like, it does a good job of, like, introducing a big moral question and, like, what would you do in that situation? Yeah. How would you go about reabsorbing dupes who have been out for so long? Yeah. Like, it's it's well done. It is. It's very well done. So. Yeah. All right, everyone. You know where to check us out. It's Instagram. It's X Factor Files Podcast. Give us your thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Let us know what you think about this issue. Thanks to everyone who's been listening along. Tell your friends. And it's something that they can drop in on really anytime they want to in this series. Yeah. Like, you could pick up this issue and sort of get what's going on and go on from here. Right. So. I do enjoy that about the these issues. Yeah. You get enough of a synopsis. Yeah, you do. Um, if you are so inclined, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Um, let us know what you think of everything. And we will catch you next time. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.